Hi, Northridge Church. My name is Scott Cunningham. I had the honor of being on staff at Northridge for about eight years. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I felt called to become missionaries and serve the poor here in rural Nicaragua. The blessings that we've had over the years is, is groups coming down from Northridge Church and, and serving alongside of us and helping to alleviate the poverty that, that we see day in and day out. Uh, last year we had a group come down and dig a trench alongside of a community of Nicaraguans in a community called Matilde where they lack clean water. The water in their wells was absolutely filthy and people would spend hours a day fetching water in buckets uh, to, to drink, to wash, to bathe, to cook. And through the generosity of, of Northridge and, and other groups like Northridge, uh, we were able to go and to help provide clean water, not only in their community, but in every single house. The dignity of turning on a, a spigot and having flowing water. To know that Northridge Church was a part of that makes me so proud. Often people, people ask why we do what we do and doesn't the Bible say the poor are always going to be with you? And, and, it, and it does say that, it's true. But it also says that therefore I command you to be open-handed to the poor. And it's great to see what Northridge is doing, the teams that you've sent, the, the, the generosity that you've had there in Metro Detroit and Flint and all over, all over the world, including here in Nicaragua. So Northridge Church, I want to thank you for what you've done here in Nicaragua in, in supporting my family as a missionary, but also in, in sending teams and in, in helping to financially support some of the work that we do down here. Know that that your generosity has gone a long way and I want to encourage you guys to keep it up. We're looking forward to the team coming next week. We're looking for, forward to the team coming later in the year and uh, we look forward to what you're going to be doing in the future, not only here, not only in Michigan, but around the world. As a young kid, my life was really, really simple. I, I got to experience the, the magic in life because my parents took care of all the problems and the complexity. I, I really did have a great childhood. But as it turns out, though it was normal to me, I'm one of the lucky ones because life's not like that for all kids. I mean, some kids never get to experience the magic because they're too busy fighting off all of the darkness that the world's throwing at them. And, and some of you know this from personal experience. And this is, 
why I love that Northridge invests so significantly in helping to make the life of kids better, both here and all around the world. And if you're a guest or newer to Northridge, you might not know the stories, but we have made significant compassion impacts in the lives of kids in places as you saw in the video before the service, Nicaragua with Scott and Kyleen Cunningham down there and really trying to, to invest in and support and to elevate the lives of those trapped in poverty. And we've been a big part of their ministry and that down there. We've made a huge impact in India in the life of kids, both giving them safety and protection and housing, but education and medical and water. We've done the same thing in Haiti with orphans in Zambia. We're involved in a long-term community development project there, but it's not just around the world. We're also heavily invested in our own backyard here and increasing that in Detroit and in the inner city there. We, we also support a hurting home for girls, a, gir a home for hurting girls called Vista Maria, significantly supporting and working with them in ministry. And now, as a result of Easter, we get to know that we're making a huge investment in the life of kids and families in, in Flint. And I just wanted to celebrate the impact with you post-Easter of as a result of what happened at Easter, uh, we are going to be giving $107,267 to the Flint Child Development Fund. It's exciting. And if you don't know what happened, we just decided we want to do something more with Easter, and we decided whatever God did with our attendance, we were going to give a dollar to Flint. On top of all the other things we did, we weren't collecting money. We weren't taking an offering. We were just saying, we just need to make this investment. And then other people joined in doubling that and doubling that. And I'm just so, so very proud of the fact that we can do this in the life of kids because not all kids get the magic, right? but all kids need to know about the love. Now obviously, since my special days as a kid, life has changed a great deal for me. The reality is that unlike my childhood, life is not simple and often there's no magic as we get older. As an adult, it becomes obvious that, that all things aren't possible for us, that all things that aren't, aren't within reach, that all our dreams can't come true. As it turns out, this is strange because I was told this, all the years of growing up, we can't do anything we set our minds to. It's just not, it's not true. We can't become anything we want to become. Life is filled with all kinds of limitations. I mean, some things, no matter how badly we want them, no matter how hard we work to get them, some things turn out to be downright impossible for us. And, and this is true in every area of our lives. I mean, it's true relationally, right? No matter what we want, sometimes it's just downright impossible to experience it. It's true financially and vocationally and physically. I mean, we can work really, really hard to try and keep our health, and it turns out to just be downright impossible. It's true emotionally and, and even spiritually in every arena. The reality is that, that in life, all of us hit the wall of our limitations. We all have to fight fights that we have no ability whatsoever to win. The fact of life is that no matter who we are or what we have, we will come face to face with 
the impossible. But when that happens, you need to know there is God. And that's the truth that I really want to lay down this weekend for you. When life throws the impossible at us, and it will, God is there and willing and able to help us. I mean, he's there. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. No matter what, he's there for us to hide in, to us to find defense in and protection in and empowerment and strength in, and he's there as an ever-present help in trouble. He's there willing and able to help us. It's, it's his name, as it turns out. The name I want you to kind of think about this weekend is Yahweh Nissi. It's I'm just going to define it as I am the God who defends you. Now in the Bible, you'll find it translated often as the Lord is my banner. And, and when militaries were at war, there was a banner that flew over them talking about their mission and their purpose and motivating them to war. And, and, and Moses says, the Lord is our banner. He's the one that goes before us in battle. He's the one that protects us. He's the one that fights for us. He's the one that leads us into triumph because the roots of this word really kind of refer to refuge and protection. He is the God who defends you. And there's a great example of this truth in the Old Testament. It's a story involving a king that many of you may, maybe have never even heard of. His name's Jehoshaphat. We've heard of Saul and David maybe, but, but Jehoshaphat, great story. He ultimately faced a moment in, in his life in in time when life threw the impossible at him. He was a king, he knew some of the magic of life, but then it all went south. Three enemy nations formed an alliance to go against him and against his nation Israel. And in joining forces, the Bible tells us that, that they became, and I'm quoting, a vast army, vast. Simply put, it was an army that, humanly speaking, left Jehoshaphat and Israel with no chance whatsoever. It was the impossible. But instead of being defeated, they won. Jehoshaphat and Israel overcame because rather than surrendering to their limitations, they turned to their God and put their faith in his name. And you know what the result is? They... They experienced the impossible of God as they were facing the impossible of life. And I'm just telling you, that's, that's what I want to experience because we are going to face the impossible of life. But most of us don't experience the impossible of God and it's because we, we never appropriately turn to him and, and look to him and trust in his name. But since we have the same God available to us, and since he has the same name, we can experience exactly what Jehoshaphat and Israel experienced in this story. So, so why not do it, right? So here's the application I want to share with you. When, when life throws the impossible at us, all we have to do is do what they did. When life throws the impossible at us, we need to turn to God. That's what Jehoshaphat did. That's what Israel did in this story. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 and 3. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, strange, bizarre names, these are the ones that aligned together, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And, and alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Turn to God. If you, if you are going to experience God fulfilling his name in your life, 
You need to turn to him ultimately, but most of us don't. Most of us get angry at him for letting these things happen and we start asking questions about why do bad things happen to good people as if we're the best of people in the world, you know, and, and all these different things instead of just turning to him to experience what only he can do. And they didn't just turn to him. If we're, when, we, when life throws the impossible at us, we, we really need to pray in faith. When we turn to God, there are some of us that turn to God and you know, we whine and complain and lob bombs at him, but, but we need to pray in faith. And by, I have to just be honest, my own journey, it's easier to say that than to do it, right? Pray in faith. I mean, for me, the praying part no problem. It's the believing part that I have a problem with, you know? Praying in faith, that's where it's difficult for me. So the question is, how do we do this? Well, Jehoshaphat and Israel, in this moment where they're facing the impossible, but they experience God doing the impossible, they show us how to pray in faith. And, and Jehoshaphat prayed in faith by remembering who God is, by, by reminding himself about who this God he was praying to really was. He's the God of the impossible. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse six. And he said, Lord, you're the God of our ancestors. All the great things that ever happened in their life, you're the ones that brought on them. Are you not the God who's in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations and these kingdoms who are coming, you have power and control over them because power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. He's going, I I'm going to pray in faith to you because I know who you are. And he prayed in faith because not only did he remember who God was, but he, he was remembering all God had ever done, and God had done some unbelievable things. Look what he says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7. Our God, did, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? You know, he's, remind, he's going, man, you know who I'm praying to? It's kind of easy to believe when you know that he made it possible for Abraham and Sarah to have a kid when they were 190. Amazing. If he can do that, he can do about anything. And by the way, he's the one that was able to fulfill the promise that a land that was owned by the enemies would become their land and God would take down those giants and give them that. That's exactly what happened with Joshua when they went into the English. This is the God who's done it before. And this is the God whose name hasn't changed and he can do it again. We can, we can pray in faith when we remember who he is and, and when we remember what he's done, but he did something else that de it's demanded if we're going to pray in faith. He, he, he also acknowledged his need. We pray in faith by, yes, remembering who he is and what he's done, but we have to remember who we are and what we can't do. He acknowledged his need. We have to face the impossible by standing before God in faith, acknowledging our need. Look at how Jehoshaphat did it, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. For This is a king, by the way. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. When was the last time you heard a king or someone in power or a presidential press briefing where the leader of the free world got up and said, we have no clue what to do. Now, we know these people have no clue what to do. We've been watching them for decades. <laughs> but they don't say it. This king finally got to place, you're God, I'm not. You can and have, I can't and haven't. And then in his prayer, 
he was specific. If we're going to pray in faith, we have to stop praying in generalities and we have to get specific. Look what he said in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. Oh God, will you not judge them? By the way, if you, I have to put it in common vernacular. He's saying, God, won't you take them out? That's what he's saying. Wipe them out. Take them down. Eliminate the problem. And God ultimately really did help them defeat this enemy. But some of us pray so generally that there's no way to know if God's showing up. Dear Jesus, bless all the people of the world. <laughs> Great prayer. Dear Jesus, let it sometime during the day turn 11. You know, like so, we, what we, we literally aren't specific because we're afraid when we're specific we'll be disappointed because we don't believe God can or will. Now, by the way, sometimes I pray very specifically and God says, are you an idiot? You know, I mean, sometimes I'm not asking for the right stuff. But I think it's better to be specific and wrong than not specific at all. Don't you agree with that? If we're praying in faith, we're going to believe him for big things. This is a big deal. We don't experience God doing the impossible in the face of our impossible because we just don't believe and we have to start doing it. And by the way, then, there's something else he did. If we're going to, when life throws the impossible, if we're going to experience God doing the impossible, we need to get others praying with us and for us. This is a big deal. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. It wasn't enough that Jehoshaphat prayed. Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast for all his people, all Judah. And the people of Judah, a fast is when you basically say, let's not even eat because of the importance of praying. You know, and, and so they literally were called to prayer and the people of Judah came together to do that, to seek help from the Lord, to, to pray. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. It, it's an important thing and a powerful thing for one person to pray in faith and acknowledge who God is and acknowledge their need. That's a powerful thing. But isn't it more powerful if we have two praying together or three or thousands? Of course it is. There's power when we acknowledge together who God is and what he's done and what our need is and, and we start laying things before him specifically. And just so you know, this is, this is why we're starting this text prayer ministry here at Northridge where we want to get as many people praying for what's going on in our ministry and what we're trying to do and who we're trying to reach as possible. And I just really encourage you. We've got a ton of people signed up, but we need more. And I, you know, all you have to do is text to 313131 and... And those are the things you can text and, and join this thing. And we'll just remind, it's not gonna, we're not going to inundate you with stuff, but we're going to remind you to start praying for things. And this is when we start experiencing God showing up and doing great things. And I'd rather God show up here and change lives than do anything in my personal life, wouldn't you? I'd, I'd rather be a part of something that changes the world instead of just changes my day. This is something we should be praying for. If we're going to, when life throws the impossible at us, experience God doing his name in our lives, then, then we need to, like Jehoshaphat, keep our eyes on God. We have to keep our eyes on him. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. 
This is the king again saying, we do not know what to do. I, we don't know, the problem's so big, we have no clue what to do. They're coming, we're going down, we don't know what to do. But, but look what he says, and this is really weird, this is bizarre, this isn't normal. He says, but our eyes are on you. That's not normal. When you're facing life throwing the impossible at you, what, what are your eyes on? The problem, the impossible, what's being thrown at you. That's what mine are. And then what I do is I'm, I'm watching the problem and the problem's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh no, they're getting closer and closer, we're going down. And what I do is then I throw up these torpedo, you know, God come down and get them. But God's up there somewhere far away small, not helping me. The problem's right here destroying me. What we have to do is change where we put our eyes. When our eyes are on the problem, the problem is our giant. When our eyes are on God, the problem is a flea under the foot of our great big God. Where are your eyes? I mean, where are your eyes? It's a big deal. God is always bigger than the impossible thrown at us, but the impossible looks so big because our eyes are on the wrong thing. Corey Ten Boom, a Christian from a long time ago who did great stuff, said this, and it's an important quote. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Let me ask you, what are you looking at these days? Or better, who are you looking at these days? If it's the problem, then you're going to keep going down to it. If we're going to, when life throws the impossible at us, experience God doing a great work, then like Jehoshaphat, we have to remember that the battle is ultimately the Lord's. He cares for us. This isn't our battle, it's his battle. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this battle. Don't be afraid or discouraged that these people are gonna come and squash you like grasshoppers. Because the battle's not yours, it's mine, God says. I think one of our biggest problems as human beings is that we try to fight battles that we can't win. I know I do this all the time. By sheer willpower, I try to overcome and solve my problems. And like my, like my willpower can match the overwhelming circumstances of the impossible things thrown at me. It just doesn't happen that way. The reality is that the own only power that can fight the impossible battles of this life is, is God's power. And this is true in every area, in relationships, finances, vocation, every area. If we're going to successfully face the impossible, then we have to stop fighting ourselves and let God take over for us. We, as the song we sang earlier says, we have to let him do what only he can do, spirit of the living God. And I have, I have so many experiences of this, but I, just quickly, just one that's relevant to all of us because it involves this church that we're sitting in right now. When, when I came and was privileged to be called as the pastor of this church, almost everybody that they had hoped would come and be their pastor had told them no because no one wanted to be the pastor of this church, which is the only way I ever was ever able to become the pastor of this church. <laughs> Because this church was in a huge mess. It really, really was in a bad way. They were talking about 
closing the doors and turning the lights off. They were in 35 years of decline. It was dark. And everyone who counseled with me said, you shouldn't go. It's an impossible situation. Save for one thing. I knew God called me here. The problem is, I knew God called me here, but I thought God called me here because I had the capacity to do what this church needed. And I, for three years of my ministry when I first came, did everything I could to turn this thing around. And for three years, it continued to decline and people continued to leave and even bigger numbers. And we actually came up with a saying in the first three years of my ministry, I'm going to get this thing down to a manageable size is basically what we said. I'm going to get this down to the level of my abilities. <laughs> it wasn't good. And I, I literally, I put everything into it and I lost. I was broken, broken. And it was then that I, I've never heard God speak out loud. No hands have written things on the walls for me or anything. But in my heart, I knew God was saying, when are you going to let me fight my battle? He says, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He, he doesn't say, Brad can build the church and the gates of hell won't prevail. And he wanted me here just pointing people to him, reminding them that he's Yahweh Nassim, not me, you know. He's the Lord, our banner. He's the Lord, our refuge. He's the one that can do this. He's the one that walked out of the tomb alive. And it was in that moment, I just said, God, I, okay, I'll just keep pointing people to you and let you fight the battle. And, and everything this church has become owes to the impossible work of God in the face of the impossible of this world. God. Unfortunately, I don't apply that in every area of my life. I wish I did, right? But we should. If we're going to, when life throws the impossible at us, experience God doing his impossible work in our lives, we have to, like Jehoshaphat, keep showing up and keep standing strong. And I have to tell you, I, I've had so many seasons of weakness as the pastor of this church over the last several decades, but the one thing that I've done, I've done a lot of things wrong and I've had a lot of really bad seasons, but let me tell you, the one thing I've done is I've kept showing up, right? I've just kept showing up and there, if you're like me, I, I wanna run and hide a lot. I, it's like, it's too big now, it's too hard, I think I'll run, I don't need this and all this, but look what Jehoshaphat did in 2 Chronicles 20, 17, you will not have to fight this battle, take up your position, this is weird. You don't have to fight this battle, but you do have to dress up and take your positions. Do you see it? You have to put on the armor, you have to get out the shields and the spear, you have to go out, take up your positions, you have to stand in front of this vast army that's coming to take you down, but you don't have to fight the battle. I'm gonna, I, I, it's weird. Stand firm, he says, and see the deliverance of the Lord that he's going to give you. And Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And this is a really important principle. Many of us don't experience God doing his work when we're facing the impossibles of this life because we tuck the tail and run. Because we don't show up, we quit. We have to show up and we have to stand strong. And how do we do that? By remembering who he is and remembering that it's his battle. And keeping our eyes on him, all the things we've talked about. If we don't show up, I, I've got news for you. You don't show up, 
you won't experience God working. I have the great privilege of being this pastor today, and it wasn't e- the pastor of this church today, and it wasn't easy. We went through a lot of things, but, and I know it was God's will, and God called me, and not all those other people, but I feel sorry today for all those pastors who said, no, I won't go. Because see, the weakest of all the candidates got to be the pastor, but that's okay. It doesn't matter how weak we are. It matters how big God is, and he's big, friends. He's big. He can do it. I don't, I don't know what you're called to face right now in life. I don't, it, relationally, financially, I don't, know. I don't know how big it is, but I do know this. Show up. Stand strong as you look to him, and you'll experience him working. And Jehoshaphat shows us how. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. It says, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. He's now, as he's shaking in his boots, I'm sure he's encouraging them. <laughs> this, is, this is leadership. I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear. Hopefully I'll hear it too, kind of a deal, right? He says, listen to me. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful. When we show up and stand strong, how do we do it? By showing up and standing on God's character He'll uphold you, and by showing up and standing on God's word, the prophets, when you show up and stand on his character and his word, you will not fail. When you show up and stand on your own power and your own ability, you'll go down every time. So we stand on him. And how do we know that we're doing this? You know, I, I tell a lot about my level of faith, not by the words I speak, because I know the words to say. I, I can tell a lot about about my level of faith by my gratitude quotient. Do you, do you know how you can know if you're doing this or not? Jehoshaphat shows us once again. You, you express thanks to God in advance of his solution. That's a, this is a statement of faith. God, I'm just gonna thank you for what you're gonna do. I usually withhold my thanks until I see what he's going to do, don't you? No, that wasn't good enough for me, God, sorry. You know, but he, Jehoshaphat, thank, look, look at how he did it. This is really interesting. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. In fact, this is bizarre, quite frankly. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. Now, that's all good. But then he says, look at how he did it. He appointed men to sing to the Lord and said, praise him for the splendor of his holiness. This is interesting. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Get the picture. So the soldiers have, have like shields and spears. They're trained to fight. They're all there. And Hashafat says, yep, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pick out some of you with no shields and no spears and no training and all that stuff. But you've got, you can play the harp and the violin and you can sing pretty good. I know I used bad English there. I did it on purpose. And he goes, we're going to put you in front of the soldiers to be singing thanks to God as we're walking out there. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be a worship leader for Jehoshaphat. It's like, because the way I worship is like, army goes, wins the battle. Thank you, Jesus, right? That's not what they're doing. They're saying, thank you, Jesus. And then the soldiers are coming. That's nuts. But here's what you need to know. Worship 
is the great weapon of our warfare because worship is when we put God where he belongs and us where we belong and we lift him up and say the battle is not mine I can't do it the battle is yours you can thank you Jesus before he ever does it and that's when life changes when was the last time you thanked God for the impossible thing you're facing right now when was the last time you thanked God for the thing you've been whining most about in life for what he was going to do or how he was going to use it we don't experience God doing his impossible work because we're trying to get him to do what we want him to do instead of letting him be God and us doing what he wants us to do so we have to face the impossible on our own you know what the result is when we when we just stand and trust God in the midst of the impossible the same thing that happened to Jehoshaphat look what happened God God always fulfills his promises that's the result God will fulfill his promises second Chronicles 20 22 as they began to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. God fought the battle. You know what will happen when we, when, when we truly trust God even in the face of the impossible? We'll experience God's provision and peace, exactly what we're looking for. Second Chronicles 20, 25, so Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. They, they thought they were gonna get wiped out. Instead, they got to go and take everything out of, out of the international warehouse of Walmart. I mean, that's exactly what happened here. They got everything they needed in the world. And not only that, peace. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, 29, and 30. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. Those who had no fear all of a sudden feared when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat, this is impossible, was at peace for as God had given him rest on every side. There was no peace for Jehoshaphat. There was only loss. And yet what did he get? Peace. Why? Because he finally realized it was God's battle, not his. That's where we need to be. It's important to understand, though, two realities. First, God always delivers those who trust him. God always delivers. That might be him calling right now. I'm not sure, but it could be. <laughs> if you're watching online, a phone just rang. I don't know. It could be Jesus. If it is, let me know, okay, because I'd like to get a word from God today, too. That'd be awesome. Not sure it's coming through my talk or anything. Uh, but he always delivers those who trust in him, always. This talk was going pretty well until I lost it just then, wasn't it? I thought, I don't know. He, he always delivers those who trust him. He always delivers those who trust him. But get this, the second reality. He, he doesn't always deliver us the way we want to be delivered. Any of you who don't think I have self-control, you just saw an example <laughs> of me and self-control. I mean, that was, whew. God doesn't always deliver us the way we want to be delivered, but 
here's the thing. He always allows us, no matter what trouble we're experiencing, to at the same time experience his goodness and his protection. Always. I, let me give you a 21st century example. There's a man named Chris Kilala. He's actually a worship leader for a very popular worship band called Jesus Culture Band. And Chris and his wife know what it's like to have life throw the impossible at, at them. They, uh, they lost their baby boy when he was full term. And though they were praying for God to do a miracle as they were going through labor and delivering of this baby that had been healthy all the way through the entire pregnancy and then just before delivery, his heart stopped beating. They were praying for God to, to save their baby's life. But it didn't happen. And as they held that lifeless baby in their arms, they made the choice to believe that God is good all the time, and no matter the outcome, he is and will always be the God of miracles. And the wake of this horrific experience that most of us can't even imagine, Chris and his wife wrote a song called Miracles. And this is Chris's explanation, his words, oftentimes as believers, we allow our circumstances to change our perceptions of God. My wife and I could be stuck going around in circles asking God why he didn't see the miracle, why he didn't give us the miracle we had hoped for. But instead of doubting God in the face of contrary circumstances, we chose to move towards him, to trust him, to hold on to him even more tightly. And he says, we wrote the song Miracles because more than ever, we needed to remind ourselves constantly of who God is. The verse and the chorus of this song are simple. The one who does impossible is reaching out to make me whole. The one who puts death in its place, his life is flowing through my veins. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. And so to you, experiencing this talk right now, I'm asking, is life throwing the impossible at you right now? Know this, God's name is the same as it was for Jehoshaphat. He has not changed. He is still the God of the impossible. He is still, and you can trust him, the God of miracles.
life throws the impossible at you, you just need to remember 
it's impossible for you, but not for him. When life throws the impossible at you, you need to remember that he's there. He's willing and able. He's our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble, but we just have to turn to him and trust him, understand or not. But of course, to trust him, we have to know him, right? And therein lies the problem for many of us. We know about him, but we don't know him. And this is your moment. Before we move into this next worship song that deals with how he can bring healing because he's so um, the God of the impossible, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And if you don't know him, I just encourage you, pray with me right now. Take this step of faith. Make my words your words to God in your heart, just silently, just say, Jesus, I, I need you to bring the impossible of God into my life. I, I need you. I, I know I don't deserve you. I know I've failed you and sinned against you. I'm a mess. But I believe you died on that cross so my sin could be forgiven and you rose again so that I could be filled with the power of your impossibility. And, and I just ask God that, that you would make me a child of God and I'm asking in Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing this song, if you, you just prayed with me, please let us know. We've, we've actually put together information that can help you take next steps. You, you, no obligation to us, we wanna get it to you. And we've actually just started giving an entire Bible out to those of you who are taking a step into a relationship with God. We just need to know you have. And so in the programs that you've been given when you came into our services, this is at our, all of our regionals and here at Plymouth, there's a connection card. There's a place where you can just say, you prayed with me, and if you did, check that off. And then there are boxes at every single exit. Just put it in there and we'll send you that Bible and that information and we pray that you take steps forward. But why do we take steps forward? Because life will throw the impossible at you, but it doesn't have to take you down or destroy you because whatever that impossible thing is, it's a grasshopper next to the giant God that we have. And when we keep our eyes on him, we walk in victory. And so let's walk out of here shouting about God being the God of the impossible and how he has brought healing to us. Let's leave worshiping his name.